And welcome to Generations. This is Kevin Swanson, Adam McManus from theworldview.com. With me on this edition, Adam, welcome. Thank you. Well, it seems to me that we are in a bit of the eye of the storm. This is what I'm telling my children. I said, you know, coming out of COVID, well, we got all got our stimmy checks, so we felt pretty good about that. Um, now, employment's supposed to be super good, and everybody's just doing very well. Thank you very much. Except that they're not. And this article from Fox Business this morning, millions of Americans have received a pay cut over the last two years, thanks to high inflation, a blow to President Biden as he attempts to center his re-election campaign around Bidenomics. The Labor Department reported Tuesday that average hourly earnings for all employees in October is $11.05 per hour. Seems kind of low, but it's a 3.32% decline from January 2021 when Biden took office. By that measure, the typical U.S. worker is actually worse off today than two years ago, even though nominal ages are uh, rising at the fastest pace in years, just simply meaning that fast pace only because of high inflation. So now Bidenomics, what is that, Adam? Bidenomics, is that just spend like a drunken sailor until you're face down in a ditch in Skid Row? Is that what it is? I mean, that, that's what I see Bidenomics to be. Yeah, it's definitely a pejorative term. E.J. Antony, a research fellow for the Heritage Foundation, a conservative think tank in Washington, D.C., wrote a piece entitled Never-Ending Inflation, That's Bidenomics in Action. And he says in his opening, it's bad enough that the White House helped create 40-year high inflation, but now it has the audacity to gaslight the American people by not only minimizing the problem, but pretending to be part of the solution. Nothing could be further from the truth, and the Biden administration's own data prove it. The American people are demonstrably worse off because of President Joe Biden's economic policies. When Biden took office, inflation was below the Federal Reserve's 2% target, with prices rising a mere 1.4% over the prior 12 months. After a year and a half of Biden's runaway government spending and borrowing, prices were rising almost that fast in a single month, with annual inflation reaching 9%, six and a half times the rate Biden inherited. Several factors have helped bring down inflation since then, including a divided Congress that has slowed government spending, the Fed implementing a tighter monetary policy, and Biden's unwise draining of the strategic petroleum reserve. But I looked up some other interesting stats. Just want to throw these at you about Bidenomics. Mortgage rate when Trump took office in January of 2017 was 4.09%. When he left office in January of 2021, it was 2.77%. That's a 32% reduction in the mortgage rate. When Joe Biden took office in January of 2021, it was 2.77%. And as of November of 2023, it is now 7.76%, a change upward of 180%. Yeah. Housing is completely unaffordable for the average household today. Yeah. Unaffordable. Not worth buying. Another meme from FreedomWorks says the purchasing power of the average American home buyer has dropped 50% since President Biden took office. Yeah. That's yeah. Bidenomics. I think we get a sense of it. Yeah, yeah, it's painful. It's it's super, super painful. 
But the, but then again, it wasn't just Biden. It was Trump's runaway spending as well. But let's do the math on 3.32% just for a second. So we've got a 3.32% average pay drop for the average person, working person in America since uh, 2021. And so that's it puts an average loss of income at about $2,000. If that's over two years, that's a $4,000 pay cut. As I think about an f- average of a $4,000 pay cut, I'm thinking to myself, that's about the same size as the stimmy checks were back in 20 and 21. <laughs> that puts it in perspective. Yeah. <laughs> you follow me? Yes. What was that about no free lunch? You ever hear that? Did your father ever tell you that? Absolutely. You don't get a free lunch. You ever hear that? Absolutely. Yeah. So No free yeah. lunch. This uh-huh. is coming back to bite us. Yeah. Apparently, the, <laughs> the, the piper is invoiced and uh, yeah, it's going to cost you four grand, man. Why? Well, we gave you free checks two years ago. I mean, come on. Get a copy of How the World Runs and your part in it, friends. I wrote a book for 14-year-olds because I think 14-year-olds can understand this stuff. vast number of Americans are not going to be able to know what in the world happened with all this inflation. Coming out of $8 trillion of quantitative easing. What in the world? How, how does that happen? Well, we explain it to 14-year-olds in our book, How the World Runs and your part in it and uh, let's take a break and we want to talk a little more about what's going on with the economy wow 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 the spending is out of control indeed this isn't just the drunken sailor this guy's laying face down he is comatose in the ditch down in skid row somewhere be back with more in just a moment on generations Hello, my friends. For the last 15 years, the Generations team has produced a Christian curriculum specifically for families who want to give their children a God-centered, Bible-saturated, biblical worldview-based education. Our commitment is to restore the Christian faith, generational faith in an age where we are losing faith in this country and almost anywhere around the world where Christian children attend secular schools or use secular curriculum and imbibe secular culture. Now, we're not relying on the pre-Christian Greeks for an educational model here. We're not relying on the post-Christian secularist for the education model either. Our curriculum is based in a biblical worldview. We put hundreds of Bible verses in the history books and integrate the truths into the subjects. We want to glorify God on every page of the science books. We immediately integrate knowledge into life application and natural revelation with special revelation. We keep Christ at the very center of the history books with preparing the world for Jesus and taking the world for Jesus. I believe God is calling this generation in this highly secularized age to a radical change in how they disciple their children. Please check out our program for education of your children and grandchildren at www.generations.org. Back on Generations, this is Kevin Swanson. And as we consider economics and the economic condition of America, Adam, you know I do the Tuesday newscast. And I I tell you what, I do the best I can to find the most honest statistics I can find. Remember what they said about liars and statisticians. So you got to scrape through it and try to identify the metrics that give us the most honest picture as to what is going on. And I, I think some of this helps us. While some economists are asking the question with employment so high, unemployment so low, GDP is on the rise, economy is doing great. Bidenomics is all happening. The spendthrift government is just stimulating the economy at every point. We got pretty much the heaviest drugs you could ever 
press into the dead body of this dying economy. And yet, what's going on? Why are tax receipts sagging after an increase in tax receipts? What was it? 45% between 2020 and mid-2022. You had a 45% increase in tax receipts between 20 and 22. But since June of 22, tax receipts have sagged 8%. It's the biggest drop off of tax receipts since the 2008 recession. So, okay, is that, could that be an honest statistic? Could we get something of an honest metric happening here? Well, the federal debt, of course, is out of control by the assessment of multiple economists. This is out of control. The debt has increased $2.25 trillion since May. Mm. $2.25 trillion since May. May of this year, not May of last May year. May of this year. No, no, last year. Yeah. What is that? Five months ago? In five months, we've racked up $2.25 trillion. Wow. Uh, that's at least and 12 times billion dollars this is, in October. Yeah, 520 billion in October, that's right. 520 billion dollars in October. And that 520 billion dollars in October, okay? That's how much debt that Joe Biden the President of the United States has racked up in a single month. 520 billion dollars. That's at least 12 times the deficit seen when uh, Donald Trump uh, took office in t- 2016. So when he took office in 2016, we we were we were deficit spending five hundred twenty billion dollars a year, and Joe Biden just spent that in the last month. They spent America into debt by five hundred twenty billion dollars in the last month. So, what gives? What gives? It just seems like we're we're we're, we're cruising like you know right over the edge of the cliff and accelerating. <laughs> You know, this isn't just 140 miles an hour. Now we're, we're, we're got the pedal on the metal. We're going over the cliff at 280 miles an hour now. To what do you attribute the lower percentage of tax receipts? Uh, I'm not clear on what connecting of the dots you're making there. My perspective on that is that the, the, the amount of taxes received by the U.S. government is an honest statistic. And it's a reflection of the fact that our economy is not doing well. If our economy is doing well, the government would know it and the government would be scraping in the money. (laughs) That's just the way government works. Bottom line, there's a lot less money in the system. People are not making money. And that's why the tax receipts are as low as they are. So I think there's a lot of lying going on in the economy today, especially when it comes to unemployment. The unemployment numbers are probably some of the most dishonest numbers available on the uh, news sites. Yeah, because I've always heard that after a certain point when a given person stops looking for work, they no longer count that that person as unemployed because they've given up. That's right. There's too many unknowns in the unemployment numbers, so I don't go on the unemployment numbers. It doesn't make any sense to me. So we stick with you know numbers that make sense. And, And hey, we're looking at a recession right now. We're already in it. So we're just pretending that things are going very well. And, you know, if you're spending debt like a drunken sailor, I mean, things will feel like they're doing pretty good, at least for the next 10 minutes. <laughs> and then it's going to crash and burn. Yeah. Well, speaking of crashing and, and burning, yeah, let's talk about this CNBC article. They point out there was a time when bad news about U.S. debt would send markets into a tailspin, but not so this month. Markets on Monday just simply shrugged their shoulders at a warning Friday from Moody's Investors Service that it was lowering its ratings outlook on the Treasury bonds. Explain to us how important 
is this announcement from Moody's Investor Service to you? Well, in the past, it has made a difference, as the article states. And people were concerned. Hey, you reduce the uh, ratings on U.S. Treasury bonds as, you know, it's not quite a junk bond yet. They reduced it somewhat. But they're basically saying that there's less and less confidence that the U.S. government is going to make good on the bonds. And that, that, that's what they're saying. This, this means that there's instability, not just in the economy, but with the U.S. government itself. And if there's instability there, then at some point it's going to have these ripple effects throughout the economy that'll be far worse than 2008, perhaps more like the Great Depression of old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And let's do some history. Let's let's go back into history just for a little bit here. Of course, what I try to tie things into history. History helps. Uh, just finished America and God's Providence. By the way, we have the brand new 2023 edition out. It's a two volume now, uh, but now available at uh, generations.org. Re- highly recommended. A biblical view, a biblical worldview assessment of U.S. history from roughly 1492 to the present all the way through Bidenomics. So you're going to get a full history course now. It's recommended for 10th grade, but it's a good history for the entire family. But if you go back to the the government spending, deficit spending from 1789 to the present, what do you find? What you find is a slight debt at the beginning. But uh, all of that is taken care of in the early 1800s, and then you get to a massive increase in government spending and a massive increase in debt at the Civil War. But here's the kicker. When you get a war, you typically do not return back to where you were. It's a step function. War is an excuse. By the way, just like COVID-19 was an excuse for a massive increase in government spending, war and disease and COVID and such become the pretext by which big government people say, hey, fun, let's use this as a pretext to increase government size in America and never return it to where it was. And that's what we get during the period of Abraham Lincoln. Now, I would say that these are the presidents most responsible for bringing socialism and big government into America. I would say it would be Abraham Lincoln. It would be Woodrow Wilson and Teddy Roosevelt. And FDR, the two Roosevelts, one Woodrow Wilson and an Abraham Lincoln. Now, some some people find that somewhat surprising. And yet, you study the history of Abraham Lincoln. Now, some believe that Abraham Lincoln became a Christian at the very end of his life. There's some Baptist pastors who say that within a month or two of his death, he might have professed faith in Christ. So we don't know where he was as far as that was concerned. His his wife, Mary Todd Lincoln, said he was not a Christian. His White House assistant, Ward Lehman, called him an infidel. He never joined a church. Abraham Lincoln never joined a church. Uh, He was one of the two presidents who brought seances into the White House, which I think to be a very significant issue. Uh, Franklin Pierce and Abraham Lincoln. Extremely demonic period of time in America, especially you start working through the 1820s, 30s, and 40s, and 50s, and you get a huge increase in seances. And uh, witchcraft is spreading across America, especially in the Northeast, especially Washington, D.C., as you come and approach the uh, Civil War. Was it well known at the time that he brought the seance in, or was it private? There were witnesses there, but it was mainly just him and his wife that were participating in the seances. Uh, So 
the Communist Party USA used to hold a Lincoln-Lenin Day okay. rally, and they positioned a giant portrait of Lincoln in their New York City offices, largely because Lincoln seemed to follow the direction of the Communist Manifesto. He was the first president to introduce counterfeit greenbacks without hard metal backing for the first time in a thousand years of Western history. Now, you know, today we said, well, yeah, everybody does that, but th- they didn't do that for a thousand years because honest money made a difference and was important in Christian civilization for at least a thousand years. Uh, but sadly, you begin to get a debauched uh, currency that uh, that now we're pretty much stuck with that. Uh, so now, now, thankfully, the presidents afterwards uh, began to restore uh, a gold-backed currency. So, and 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 the presidents would uh, would pay for these uh, these bills using uh, hard money. Uh, so that that happened after the Civil War, thankfully. But uh, but Lincoln increased government debt twenty-fold more than any single president in U.S. history, and largely because of the war. Yes. He increased the size of government sevenfold. Woodrow Wilson increased the size of government sixfold. And then FDR increased government about 14-fold. So, I mean, the bottom line is you have these presidents that were significantly step function, increasing the size of government, creating the big government for the United States of America. Remember, for at least a thousand years, all the way back really to the Roman days, Governments never took more than about 5% of the people's income. Now we're upwards of 50, 60%. Now, how does this happen? It happens through the these massive increases that come through Abraham Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, FDR. Now, if you look at the more present uh, presidents, the current presidents, you say, okay, of these more recent ones, we find an increase in federal spending, but nothing quite like what you see with Abraham Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, and FDR. Donald Trump increased federal spending by 71% in four years. Obama increased federal spending 13% in eight years. George W. Bush increased federal spending then 49% in eight years. Bill Clinton increased federal spending 32% in eight years. And then LBJ uh, increased federal spending about 55% in, uh, in, I would have been seven or eight years. Uh, the only really good president in terms of federal spending was Calvin Coolidge in the 20th century. Uh, he cut Wilson's budget in half in the 1920s. That was very significant in the history of America. Yet uh, every other president would increase the budget. I would say Trump was the biggest big government spender since FDR in terms of increasing the budgets of the country. So these these are the ways in which the uh, the country became uh, one of the biggest governments in the in the world both as a percentage of the gni and also as a bottom line number there is no bigger federal government uh than the united states of america right now in any country around the world either in terms of its bottom line number or as a percentage of the gross national income so friends that's something of a history Wanted to give folks a little bit of a history. Theodore Roosevelt, uh, he grabbed some 230 million acres of federal land. That's That was one of the most significant increases in government control of the nation. Now, federal government owns about 600 million acres. And that's something like one half to two thirds of the acreage west of the Mississippi. Theodore Roosevelt also advocated racist eugenics. 
He wrote uh, this, that I wish very much that the wrong people could be prevented entirely from breeding. And his administration developed what was called the Hereditary Commission. First uh, U.S. government to uh, establish a commission specifically on eugenics. He was upset with uh, Taft for not being socialist enough. He ran against Woodrow Wilson, pushing the minimum wage law more regulatory agencies and more social welfare programs. Now that did not come into being until FDR 23 years later. So Abraham Lincoln, Woodrow Wilson, Theodore Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, and Donald Trump have introduced the bigger governments to America. And one of the things I want to caution people on is let's be, be careful that, you know, we don't adopt a superficial sentimental view of American history. Be sure that you get the truth Look at the, the charts, look at the economics when it comes to the increase or decrease of the size of government of a nation over time. And you'll find that there are some good guys and some not so good guys in the history of governments. And that's what we do in our book, America in God's Providence, just released. And, and, and I've added material all the way through President Biden. Well, that wraps up this edition of the Generations Broadcast, friends. You can get our materials at generations.org. And by the way, American God's Providence makes up our American history course for 10th grade. We've got an entire study guide that goes with it as well. You might pick that up and available at generations.org. This is Kevin Swanson inviting you back again next time as we continue to lay down a vision for the next generation.